episode 31. Uh, what happened last time? Durf, Durf gave the recap last time because he had actually listened to the episode right before that. I remember that. So, uh, Brian. We finished up Cotton Candy Village. We cleared out the mansion. We found out Ursula was a ghost, which we probably should have found out earlier. Uh, we got the MacGuffin, and we headed back to the tower. Yeah, pretty accurate. I mean, how did you get the MacGuffin? We we killed a furry. We ended his persona. <laughs> All right, so you guys head back to the tower. You leap through the portal, and you land in the lobby. Uh, and all is a much calmer than the last time you entered this lobby. So what do you want to do? I think first thing we should take the MacGuffin to the Archmage and see what he has to say. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, sounds Other good. Other boats. Okay. You want to do that first? Yes. All right. So you guys head up to the Archmage's quarters and he is standing by his desk, just, I guess, waiting for you. And he says, uh, oh, boys, thank you. Um. Boys, welcome back. I, I, you've been gone a long time, but I'm glad to see you all healthy. And did you get what you were sent to get? Totally. totally. Uh, yeah, I totally got it. Another MacGuffin in the bag, Skeech. We're ready to go. Let's close the door on this thing. We feel stronger. We're probably going to level up or something. All right. <laughs> Metaphorically. Both, both in mind and spirit. It's It's a beautiful thing. If we have four totems now, we may have enough to... To save your friend Dozer. All right. Well, uh, as oh, wait, can we guarantee we're not going to torture him again? Because that was real loose. I can't guarantee it, but I know we were close last time, and we might just have <laughs> enough to do it this time. Cool. 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 I feel um, like I'm going to get about eleven percent wiser after I do this. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. You you boys. You look like you've been through a lot. Uh, you look like shit, to be honest. Um, why don't you leave, leave the coin here in the pool of remembrance. I will talk to Professor Kenitzer. We'll get situated, uh, and you can meet me back after you've gotten some rest. Uh, check doubles, check the thing. Do I have it? Um, I believe, Darf, yeah, you still have it. So, when you say double check, you mean double check to see if we can avoid... Full on torture, yeah. That's yes, what we're yes, about. yes, yes. Of course, of course. Talk to him. Make sure he's ready. He's got all the proper. I don't know what he does in that laboratory. All the proper machinery, and just make sure he's ready and available. Durf suspiciously puts the coin in the pool, and then leaves and doesn't think about that anymore. All right. Okay. Sweet. Uh, so um, now that you're back in the tower, I want to do. We can do a couple things, and it's up totally up to you guys. We can't. You guys can take care of uh, the brewery and shopping, uh, but I do want to split you up and kind of talk about what you might do on your in your break time and your rest before we get to the end of this. Um, get to the to to the bottom of this dozer situation. So I'll leave it up to you. You could either get go all together in this stuff. We could do brewery fishery stuff. And then split up, or we can uh, you can go solo now. So it's up to you guys. Um, I think we should probably split up first. Yeah, split up first, so we're equipped with more knowledge when we're going into the brewery, brewery and, and stuff. The, yeah, in the fishery. Sure. Derf, you go with that. Yep. Okay. Awesome. All right. So you guys leave the Archmage's Tower. You head back to your rooms. 
um, and you get a, a much needed nap. You haven't really got a good night's sleep. You were gone in the swamp and Cotton Candy Village for a few days, so you finally get some sleep on, in your bed, and you stay there for overnight, pretty much. And the next morning, um, let's start with... Does anybody want to start? I can go first. Carl. Okay, let's start with Carl. Start with Carl. While Carl's Carl, going, up. Durf goes and takes a bath. He wants to continue okay, the Durf tradition of being bath. the only adventurer who bathes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so Carl, you you are you wake up and you feel fresh. You walk around, start walking around the arcane tower, waiting for your buddies to get up and do what you want to do. And you make your way up to the observatory, and you see Tessa's up there. Once again, just like before, and she seems to be tinkering around with one of the pods. Uh, hey, hey, Tess, what do you what do you have there? Uh, she like drops her wrench in surprise because she's shocked to see you, and she says, "Oh, Carl, Carl, hello. Uh, I'm just working on this pod. I, I, you know how last time we were able to take it out to the outskirts of the Arcane Tower? Yeah, I mean that was that was amazing. Yeah, well, this time I've been working on it for for days and and weeks and. Well, for days. I don't know if it's been weeks since last time, but I've been working on it for days, and I think I could take it even further this time. You want to check it out? Yeah, that's, that would be fantastic. Awesome. Okay, so you walk in there, uh, and she puts her tools away. She steps inside. She pushes a button, and the door slides closed, and you guys are in pitch blackness, and you just start to feel this rumble as you are shot out of the arcane tower and once again slowly the walls begin to melt away so you're basically just in this clear bubble that's flying away from the arcane tower over this mirror lake over the mountainous terrain that surrounds the island where the arcane tower is and you are flying over the eastern sea um, it is a bright and sunny day it's beautiful the blue water behind below you you and Tess you see dolphins you see uh, a blue whale come up and spurt water into the air and you almost see land you are getting close to land when the bubble starts to shake and Tess says I, I think we went too far but we need to turn back we need to turn back and she uh, fixes something on the wall she opens up a panel and the bubble starts flying back, flying back to the Arcane Tower. Um, so you only get so far, and she actually stops the bubble early. She stops it in some of this mountainous terrain on the island, and she lands it, and you guys get out. Okay. You know, Tess, um, I've kind of been struggling as of late. Um, like, I know, you know, this started out as a quest to save Jill, and it just kind of seems like there are more important things than even Jill going on. Um, you know, my friends and I, we all have this mark. Uh, you know, supposedly we are all, you know, in peril. And it kind of seemed like that is stretching to the entire uh, continent of Euphoros. And I just, I, I've, I don't think that I have it in me to to do what needs to be done. And, and she sits down next to you and she says, Carl, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm scared too. This is, this is a lot. And it all seems to be crashing down on us at, at once. The Archmage has really been on edge lately. And there's, there's just so much work still to be done. And there's, there's two more, there's three more totems to find. Um, and who knows, you know, what the outcome is, is going to be from that. It's the only thing we have to go off of. 
Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot too, and I just I can't help but but put all the blame on on Felix. And I, I feel I feel horrible for you and for your family, but like you said, now it's stretching out to to the whole world, and there's some something has to be done. Felix, he was my friend. You know, he had a good heart. I mean, something something definitely has to be done, but I like I I don't feel that I'm strong enough to to do anything. It seems like we're struggling every time we're searching for a new totem, and to think that we still have three more, I, I feel like I just need to be more powerful. And she scoots in a little closer, and she says, "Carl, I I believe in you. I I've seen the things that you're able to do. I you went from when I met you to this." no offense, but this feeble young boy, and you've developed into into a brave man. Just promise me you'll you'll continue to be brave. You'll stay good. You won't be like Felix. He was strong too. And he turned his back on us. But promise me no matter what that you'll stay good. I'll always be good, but I I think that strength comes from, from Durf and Tug. They, they really help to keep me on the right path. Well, let me tell you this, Carl. There's there's nothing like a good friend. And you guys are very close to one another at this point. And she's looking deep into your eyes. And she does for a long while. And your faces nice. Nice. start to get a little closer. Oh, oh, what? And uh, a little little closer. How, and how, there's, there's is there an centimeters away... <laughs> They're centimeters away. Oh, Carl, just, I go for it. I go for it. You go for it? Okay. Yeah. You, 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 she closes her eyes and you close your eyes and you just go for it and your lips touch and oh, she God. gasps. Oh, God. She gasps. Are you okay? Uh, I'm going to make it. <laughs> she gasps. <laughs> Car- Carl, are you, I, I felt something just now. Me, me, and not, me not too. like that. Not like that. Oh, I'm sorry. There was. There was something, something, something within you. And she gets up for a second. She says, have you ever studied magic? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I didn't take any classes at Hogwarts, but <laughs> I know a little something. <laughs> you pull a coin out of her ear. Fucking, <laughs> excuse me? Do you know any card tricks? <laughs> I can throw. I can throw my voice. I've got millions um, of them. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. And she uh, produces a flame instantly. She snaps her fingers, and this flame grows in her hands. And she sets it down in the ground between you. And she gets you to stand up. And she grabs you by the arms, and she says, "Hold your hands out like this, and palms palms straight up into the air." Do you do it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. She says, "Now, Carl." Close your eyes and feel the heat from the flame. And the, the flame starts to grow a little bit. She says, soak it in. Do you, do you feel it? I, I can feel it. My, my, my fingertips are, are getting warmer. My, my, my face, like, I can feel the heat. It's, it feels like it's consuming me. Okay, she puts her finger up to your lips. And she says... Your body contains heat of its own, you know. It moves through you. Shh. Focus now. 
and try to transfer that heat to the flame. And roll me a charisma check. 17. The flame at your feet, you can feel it sputter and start to lick the air a little higher. You feel the heat increasing within your body. And she says, good. Oh, my gosh. Open your eyes. And you open your eyes? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And and you see, you see this. You see the flame. I mean, not only feel it, but now you see it. And she says, you are a natural. Okay, close your eyes again and focus even more. Fire is weightless. Nothing can contain it if the will is strong enough. Now move it, Carl. Control the flame. And give me another charisma check. That would be a 16. Okay, still pretty darn good. Um, So you open your eyes and you see that the flame is dancing. It's going left and right and up and down. And uh, Tess is extremely impressed. And she says, Carl, did, did, did your parents have these powers? Did you know you could do this? I had no idea. This is this is completely unexpected. They must have had something without telling you. Magic like this is the result of something that happened in the past in your ancestry. It's sorcery and it's powerful. I can teach you, but only so far. Would you like to learn? Absolutely. Anything that will help me to collect these totems and protect my friends. Okay, so you two, you two sit for hours, and she teaches you. She teaches you more about controlling this flame. She teaches you how to make these these illusions out of thin air. She teaches you a spell that lets you shield yourself from harm. She even teaches you how to connect some of this inner power to your blade, so you can do some spells with your blade and make your strikes more powerful. And just out of character now, um, Carl... Or Brian, you said that you wanted to uh, do something with this, right? This is kind of why I created this situation for you. I have been looking at multiclassing for the past couple of levels. Um, and this is the point where I definitely wanted to multiclass. And Sorcerer seemed like a uh, interesting fit that would allow me to do some maybe uh, interesting stuff in and out of combat. Um, and just in general. Okay, awesome. So yeah, you are level eight now. I'm gonna level each of you guys up separately. So go ahead and roll your health for that first. I will I go off my paladin or will I go off the You go off your paladin. You go off your original, I think, the paladin. We're gonna say that. I've got a one D one D ten for my hit points. Yeah, so so eight. So eight, you add eight, yep. Yep. Alright. What does that bring you to total? Uh sixty eight is now my high. Nice. Okay. All right, and then what does um, what does sorcery level one get you? So sorcery level one, I get uh, four cantrips, which um, you know are basic, some minor effects, and then I get two level one sorcerer spells. The mo- the one I'm most excited for is uh, shield, which basically just is a spell that I can cast as a reaction that will improve my armor. Sick. Plus five until my next turn. So it will hopefully let me uh, enter into the fray uh, a little more willingly Mm -hmm. and allow me a little bit more survival. Yeah, I think Carl, as a whole, character development side, after learning this, you feel a lot more powerful. You feel a lot more like your friends are going to depend on you, um, like you are much stronger in battle. So I think that's a great choice. 
All right, so you you and Tess, um, you know, you you feel like you get stronger. You and Tess work the whole afternoon on these spells and just what it takes to kind of contain magic within you. And let's flip over. Let's flip over to Durf next. Okay, Durf, you go straight to the Hall of Knowledge. You are a very learned individual. You want to learn more, read some books. Sure. And as you walk up there, you find on one of the tables near near one of the tables, you find. The little girl Alexa that you've met before, and she's standing on Abby's shoulders, reaching for a book in one of the tall bookcases that surrounds the room. Did you say on one of the tables? So is Abby standing on a table? No, I'm sorry. Abby is next to one of the long tables. There's okay. like books piled on top of the tables. You clearly see that that's like their working space right now. And Alexa is standing on Abby's shoulders as Abby is on his tiptoes, helping her reach for another book. Hey, guys. And Alexa reaches for the book and she grabs it and she goes, oh, oh, hey, Durf. Hi, Durf. How you been? And Abby's like, and he looks ecstatic to see you. I I look ecstatic to see them right back. (laughs) What you guys been up to? And Alexa hops off her shoulder. She kind of slides down his front and she slams the book onto the ground and she says, I tell you what, Durf. We have been looking for this for you. Oh? I've been waiting for you to come back. I know you're into animals. And she hands you the book, and it says on the front cover, it says, Balthazar's Beasts of Burden. I um, partake of the book, and I ask, what's this? And she says, well, it contains information on a bunch of different animals that that I don't think you've ever seen before. And you flip through the pages... And as you flip into the pages, you see animals like this giant wasp and this giant eagle. You even see a griffin um, and a few other flying animals that you haven't seen before. Giant vulture? Yes, you see a giant vulture on page 69. (laughs) That's the sex page. (laughs) Do I see any Deinonychuses? Yes. Oh, you cool. see all the CR1 creatures that you could possibly turn into. <laughs> <laughs> Metagaming. Cool. Um, cool. And she says, "You I've I've seen you in action before. Do you think you could you could show off your stuff and maybe turn into one of these and give us a little show?" Do I ever? Um, so do I level up? Yeah, you're going to level up to 8, which means you could turn into flying creatures. Okay. Yeah, so I get uh I get an ability score improvement. Oh, yeah. Everybody gets that, too. Does Carl get it? Yeah, Carl gets that. What did you put that in, Carl? It would go, it'll go into my charisma. Okay, sweet. Um, I'm going to... I was going to say, if you put it in Constitution, you could add more to your health, but... Well, charisma will affect my sorcery spells more. Right. Continue min-maxing. And give myself two in wisdom, which actually maxes out my wisdom at plus five. So you're five. at 20 wisdom now? Yep. Nice. Which, uh, makes my animal handling 11 now. Let's see. What else does it increase? Yeah, so we need to that do means some that more. Um, Eugene will always listen to you unless you roll a nat one. <laughs> um, okay, so I get that. And uh, let's see, 1d8 plus constitution for my health. I traditionally roll very shittily on this. 
An eight. Okay. So <laughs> nice. Nine. So I now have forty nine hit points. Excellent. Okay. And then does a does a druid get anything else? Druid. Um. I now get two fourth level spell slots. Sick. Uh, which is good because they're extremely good, and I've been kind of limited in using it before because. Uh, you know, once I used it, it was gone. Um, and yeah, the main thing is with Wild Shape at level eight, I can do flying forms, uh, which are tend to be kind of, they're not actually as good combat wise. They tend to have pretty low HP, um, but I can fly. So um, Carl is improving his combat abilities, and I, that's good because I will just be flying around the battlefield <laughs> uselessly in the future. All right, good. So you guys want a show? I say that. Okay, yeah, and Alexa and Abby both clapping like, yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. and Eugene pops out of your pocket and he's like, I'm not fucking doing this if I don't have to. And he crawls down your sleeve. And leaps onto the table and crawls up Abby's shoulder and starts to nibble on his ear a little bit. And Abby's like, ooh. Um, Durf says, let's go to a tower. Are there any there are towers around? Well, I do I a mean, tower we're, check. We're in a tower. I mean, like, a, you know, like a exposed balcony area. Oh, yeah. Look. And she points up to the... Um, the big oak tree that's in the center and you see that the railing around the oak tree goes all the way up to the top. So the top is about 50 feet up. Okay. Um, let's go there. Okay. And she leads the way and you guys climb up all the stair stairs all the way up to the top and you look down onto the, into the library 50 feet below. Okay. Wait, so are we still inside or are yes. we like, okay, you're still inside. You're I'm in the library. I'm going to scare the shit out of everyone else in the library who doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm going to say, Alexa, you want to ride? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. And then I turn into a giant vulture. Okay, now here's an important question. Because in character, you just kind of learned this because of the book. So are you leaping off and then turning into a vulture? Well, no, because I got to you... gotta let her get on my back so I can give her a ride, which I just okay, offered Okay, you're going to turn into a giant vulture first. Okay, roll me a wisdom, just a regular wisdom check. Okay. Uh, 12. Do I, uh, 12. Do I add perception to that? Or not perception, no. proficiency? No, just a regular wisdom check. A 12. 12. Okay, so you close your eyes, you focus, you put your hand on the bridge of your nose, and you stick your arms out, and your arms turn into these giant vulture wings, but the rest of your body is the same. And Abby and Alexa just burst out laughing. Um, okay. That was not exactly what I meant to happen. Um, and I just, I don't know, stand there stupidly, flapping my wings around. <laughs> my bones are too dense, I can't take off. Okay, give me another wisdom check. See if you could complete the transformation. Uh, that is a 16. Okay, much better. So your your chest pops out, your neck enlarges, this long beak comes out from your snout, and your feet turn into these razor-sharp claws, and you are a full-on vulture. And Alexa and Abby just gasp. Um, can I first, can I do a perception check on 
any hapless looking individuals in the library who have not noticed me turn into a vulture? Uh, yes, 100%. Okay. Give me a perception check. Fucking natural one. Natural one? <laughs> yeah. Um, No, you don't. You don't see anybody. I mean, you look down and it's just that a mass of people walking around. Wait, you don't see wait, any wait, in wait, particular. Wait. Okay. Giant vultures have advantage <laughs> on wisdom checks that rely on sight or smell. Okay, roll it again. Second roll is a 25. That is so much better. <laughs> 24, much better. Um, okay, you look down and you see that there is a kid, a little boy. A little uh, boy? His... I don't want to torture a little kid. You said hapless. Yeah, like uh, some fucking wizard guy who's reading some books like a nerd. Oh, okay. How about this? How about this? How about this? <laughs> you see, I didn't. you didn't let me finish. You see a little boy and he's nose deep into a book. And you see someone creeping up on him, and he's got, like, these Beats headphones in, right? And he's creeping up on him with a giant water balloon. Okay. Uh, well, first, I, I sort of lower my back so Alexa can um, climb on, and I raise my, like, vulture eyebrows at her in All case right, she, she wants a ride. She climbs up, and she gives, like, gets a fistful of your feathers okay. to hang on tight. And... I'm going to dive at the kid with the water balloon and shriek at him intimidatingly just to fuck with him. Okay, uh, give me an intimidation check. Uh, g give me advantage. I'll okay. give you advantage because he doesn't notice that you're there. Okay, 13. 13, okay. I rolled an 8. I was just doing like a wisdom save. I rolled an 8. So you scare the shit out of this little kid. Um, you screech down and Alexa actually joins you and yells like, ah! <laughs> and the kid turns and his headphones fall as he just goes wide-eyed and looks at you. And he throws the water balloon up into the air and you claw out at it and it pops and splashes all over him. And the little boy he was just about to bully... Just whips around and bursts out laughing. <laughs> nice. I uh, I swoop up and land on a bookcase, and then I turn back into Durf, and Alexa is sitting on my shoulder um, without missing a beat. Beautiful. And Beautiful. I point and laugh at him. <laughs> awesome. And you you bow uh, from the top of this bookcase as Abby and Eugene are both clapping from the top of the they're both clapping from the top of the um the railing that is at the top of that oak oak tree. And actually, I think the whole room bursts into applause as this sopping wet bully just hangs his head low. <laughs> and we fade out of that moment and now we're to tug we are to Tug. All right, Tug, you wake up, and I'm just going to go ahead and assume where you would go. You go straight to the cafeteria to head to the brewery. Of course. And as soon as, soon as you portal through, you immediately hear the shouts and jeers coming from the brewery. So angry shouts, yes? No, excited shouts. And cheers? I heard jeers with a J. Jeers. Well, they're kind of like poking fun jeers. I see. Tug uh, quickens his pace to see what all the merrymaking's about. All right, you burst through the door and you see Ricketts, and he is standing on the bar in a red jersey, and he's waving a goblet around in the air, leading a crowd of dozens in a rowdy song. The crowd seems to be split into four quarters, 
where each group is sporting a different colored jersey of red, yellow, green, and blue. The teams sing along with arms on each other's shoulders as ale from kegs that float around the room flow freely into their cups. And uh, this is what Ricketts sings. He says, When I am old and gray, my friends and my balls hang to the floor. I'll look back on my best of days if I remember anymore. Hey, and when I kiss that bottle's lip and drink till I can't see, it takes me back, oh, that's a fact, to the Grand Beer Jamboree! And the whole room bursts into applause and cheers and they're smashing glasses together and the song fades but the music continues as they go about their business and ricketts spots you at the door he leaves from the bar and he says oh go ahead oh i was just gonna say uh i think this is exactly when tug would throw a hearty wave uh ricketts way and uh run up to him hey hey, 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 old man What's going on here, so, and why didn't you invite me sooner? He grabs you by the shoulders, and he's like, Oh, Tug, Tug, am I glad to see you. Have time for a little drinking contest? Yellow's down a player. We caught him swallowing a bag of holding. Uh, that's unfortunate, because I don't play on fucking Hufflepuff. Okay. <laughs> see ya, I guess. <laughs> alright, 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 alright. I, I guess I'll prop up the house of mediocrity. And see if we can rally through to what were the lovable losers that we're going to try and make an effort to uh, to win here. So I guess, I guess. Excellent, excellent. I knew I could count on you. Let me introduce you to your squad. And he leads you over to the other four members of the yellow team. And you see a short, white-haired dwarf who looks ancient. You see a muscular, half-orc woman with a massive underbite. You see a scrawny human male with crooked teeth. And you see none other than Hamlet the Gnome, who holds a jersey three times your size out to you with a grin. And he says, Oh, hey, Tug. Oh, Henry, 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 how you been, my man? And Tug grabs the jersey from his uh, from his hands. Oh, good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm just ready to drink. How about you? Yep. Always ready. Born ready. Here we go. All right. You sure you don't want to switch switch shirts? Yours seems to be a little bit my size. A little bit more my size. He looks down and he's like, mm, uh, no, I'm good. All right. Worth a shot. Give me a uh, fabricate a pair of scissors. We're going to chop this thing up, make it something I can wear. Maybe a belly shirt. I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. Rick, it's uh, pat you on the back and he leaves. And he's like, get acquainted. The games will begin soon. And how are you cutting this shirt? Uh, Hamlet actually has one. He pulls one out right out of his belt. A pair of scissors. Uh, so the sleeves are gone, obviously. Um, and and Tug like awkwardly like puts it up to his body and like kind of like uses his hand to figure out where it would hit his waist. And he cuts it, but it kind of cuts too short, so it looks like a like a, a football jersey that somebody would practice in <laughs> in the eighties, like just above the belly button. Yeah, just no sleeves, very just above the halter top, or no, what's that? A crop top, whatever. All right, awesome. So you cut this up, and your team awkwardly high fives, and we are led through a drinking game montage. The first game is played with dusty glasses and a wooden ball, where teams take turns tossing the ball into their opponents' cups. Hamlet stands on the table with one eye closed and his tongue out, and he's lining up the shot. And in slow motion, he lobs it forward, where it travels for several seconds in a long arc before it circles the rim of the last remaining green team member's cup. It seems to spin for several moments before finally dropping with a splash, and the half-orc woman lifts Hamlet up above her head in celebration as the green team weeps in the background. 
And the second game involves a deck of cards and a keg in the center of the table. Teams take turns drawing cards and groaning or celebrating at the results before placing their mouths under the tap for various amounts of time. Your dwarf companion faces off with the last remaining blue team member, drawing a card slowly and revealing it to your team. A Jack of Shields. He smirks and takes his position under the tap as the scrawny human lifts his feet up high in the air and opens the tap. Fists pound on the table in a rhythm for at least 30 minutes as the dwarf continues to chug and chug and chug and chug until finally he comes up for air, releasing a belch that shakes the walls before kicking over the empty keg. And the crowd goes insane. The montage continues like this for several more scenes before ending, and actually, I want, I want you to come up with a drinking game. I just decided this just now. It's not even in here. What's the third uh, thing in the montage? It's, um, oh, what's that called? Where you, you flip a card uh, up, to your, up to your forehead and you try and bluff based on what other people's numbers are. Okay. How does that work as a drinking game? I have no idea. I, kinda, I was kind of hoping you'd know. It just <laughs> seems like something that's time, like period appropriate but i don't actually know the rules so maybe that was a horrible example to use so <laughs> uh, um so we already did that uh da, 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 da. <laughs> dizzy bat chugger chugger all right so uh yeah how does this work and how do you how are you victorious <laughs> <laughs> okay so <clears throat> Uh, what Louisville Chugger is uh, in modern times, uh, not set in uh, in our game. You take a yellow wiffle ball bat, you cut the top off, and you bore the hole at the bottom a little bit bigger. Cover the hole with your thumb. Fill the bat up with beer. However long it takes you to chug the 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 beer. So if it's five seconds, you do five spins around the bat. Then you come up and you have to hit the can. Or in this case, we could just use a ball. Uh, so what we'll do for the sake of this game is we'll have it be uh, if you make contact, you get a point. If you make contact and hit it a certain distance, that's two points. And if you swing and miss, uh, that's an uh, that's an out. And then you, until your team gets three outs, you try to get as many points until your team gets three outs. Beautiful. So how uh, Tug Mugbar saves the day, his team is uh, down to, I believe the only team we haven't faced yet is the green team. No, we faced them first. The red team. The red team. Um, we're facing the red team. Uh, we are down by one, two outs. And uh, to, to for a clean win, we, we need a solo shot by, by Tug. Um, he's had a little bit of sauce, so so his his chug is a little bit slower. Um, out of uh, out of we'll call it just a tube out of the tube, um, and it takes him three seconds. Comes up, teeters once on his left foot, twice on his right, falling back, and well, on his forward momentum to try and balance himself, uh, he he just rip roars uh, a crazy shot uh, right through the the far window of uh, of the bar area, uh, out for two points and making the yellow team, the Chuffle Stuffs, the Hufflepuffs, the Unstoppables, uh, win by one. That is beautiful. And the crowd goes wild. Very good. All right. Awesome. So this fades away as the yellow team becomes victorious and you are lifted above the crowd and carried around the bar where floating kegs just pour ale into your mouth. And the scene fades and 
we see the camera scanning the room. And you see bodies, they just lie slumped over in chairs and on the floor as sounds of like snoring and groaning fills the room. Hundreds of empty glasses sit on tables, some knocked over, they're dripping beer onto the sopping wet floor. At some point, someone lost their jersey because there's an older, you see the older dwarf that's on your team, he's just stark naked on top of the bar, just butt-ass naked. Um, and then the the camera scans once again, and we see you and Ricketts, and you guys are sitting across from each other at the lone table that sits in the center of the bar. And he says, I gotta say, kid, I knew you was something special. Ricketts, uh, you're the best, man. You're the very best. You help me stay grounded in this silly-ass tower, which makes no sense. Collecting these items, that don't make any sense either. People are dying, being tortured. It's a fucking nightmare. Uh, I feel like a hero in here. You're like the dad that I that I lost to this thing that we're trying to stop, I guess. I still don't get all that either. <laughs> um, so, you know, I appreciate it, man. I... I Did you just pass out? <laughs> and then he kind of like jiggles like I got yeah I, yeah you're I, that's awesome man you're the best. Uh, you're the best. And then it's just like very slow like guns and winks like in Rickett's directions. <laughs> he slams Rickett slams a fist on the bar and he pulls something out of his coat and he slams a hand down and it's a pair of keys. And he slides it over to the middle of the table and silently he pours two more goblets of ale and sets them on the table and slides one of those to you. And he says, what do you say we settle this for good? Uh, Absolutely. Hold on first with the keys. With the keys, I can put those in between my fingers and scratch people and I'll probably hurt really bad. No, 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 Tug, you, you think straight for a second. I'm getting old. I'm getting up there. I I know you're passionate about this bar, about beer, about serving beer, about becoming a bartender. I'm offering it to you. I'm going to retire soon, and I want someone I trust to take over for me. Whoa, whoa. Are you dying? Do you have the disease? No, 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 no. Because <laughs> no, we've got no. enough of the things now. <laughs> no. So we might be able to just do something. No, 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 not dying. Well, I mean, everybody's dying, am I right? But no, nah. no, <laughs> no, see, uh, excuse me. See, I, I don't want this responsibility no more. I've put in my time. I want to be done with it. I want to drink when I want. I want you to take over the place. Age is a construct of the mind, man. It doesn't even matter. Well, then, I don't know what to say to that, Tug. Listen, 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 listen. And then then Tug puts, like, his finger on on Rickett's lips and kind of, like, flaps him a little bit, like... He's like... Listen, listen, listen. Listen. I tell you what. Listen, hold on. No, let's listen. Let's just listen. Listen. Just listen, listen. I'm, I'm fucking listening. Uh, right, all right, all right, all right. So I know you're dying, but so if you wait <laughs> until we get all these trinkets 
Now we're collecting. We can fix you. Just don't do it now. It hurts. We've seen somebody. It's a nightmare. So if you hold on, you just stay here in the bar. You take care of it until we can heal you so that you can come back to this place while I'm running it. And then you can just be a patron and then I'll serve you the whole time. But I have to get these things first. I can't just not do that. It's a whole thing. It's a whole, it's, it's a, it's a thing that we're doing. All me and Durf and Carl. Or that's just, we're doing it. So, so you giving me the keys now does, does it, does it even matter? All right. It doesn't even matter. All right. Tug. Okay. Fine. Fine. And he reaches out and he grabs the keys and he says, but by all means, these are yours. I don't trust nobody else. You understand me? And he reaches out for a handshake. Uh, Tug gives him the most like, Wide angle shot, arm out, swimming him to the middle for like uh, uh, a very so like when their hands come together, it kind of like makes a very loud clapping sound and kind of mm-hmm. reverberates through the bar. And yeah. you see some of the passed out people kind of shake and stir awake and like roll over for a second. And t- Tug just looks Rick is dead in the eyes. I've got you. And then, and then just collapses uh, with his face on the table, uh, with his hand still in Ricketts' hand. That is exactly what I was going to say. Ricketts did. So you guys just head on table, just slam down. Everyone passed out, and we fade to black. Um. So Tug, you are leveling up. So go yes. ahead and tell us what happens for Tug at level eight, if anything. Uh. uh so I get a key point. I put my ability uh, score, so I'm going to bump up my dexterity and hopefully use some of this gold and stuff to get another dex buff somehow to kind of make that 20, um, which will give me just kind of bonuses all over the place. So we'll see how that works out. And then um, that's about it. And you got to just roll your health? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a D8. Plus your con, which is zero, I guess. Oh, you get ability yep, score increase, too. Where are you putting that? Uh, dexterity. Okay. That brings you to 20? Uh, it brings me to 19. Okay. So I'm going to see if I can maybe find an item, buy an item at the fishery and okay. crank that up. Uh, so that's a two. All right. So Tug's health skyrockets <laughs> to a 35. Oh, shit. God damn it. I've you had a lot such of low rolls on cannon. HP. I know you have. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You have. You have. So why don't you actually, I'll give you max this round. Just to make it so you're not so made of glass. Squishy. That's a, D, uh, we'll, a DM we'll rolling. Compromise will take between what I rolled and what max is. Okay. I feel works. like that. So, uh, so a six? So, yeah, six. That'll All work. right. We'll let you do that. That sounds good. I guess it would be a five, right? Between two and eight? Yeah, you're right. Take a five. Yeah. Take so, five. So I'm at 38. Uh, health points now. Okay. Uh, and and that's it, really, for, for Tug. All right, dope. everybody this is joe your dungeon master thanks for listening to episode 31 we're here back at the arcane tower for some extra stuff 
Um, the second half of this episode is going to be a lot of shopping, but then there's also some important story bits at the end. So be sure to stick around if you want to skip through the shopping stuff just to get to the meat of the story. You can. We prefer you listen to us the whole time. But if you want to skip ahead, don't forget to listen to the end of the episode. Speaking of shopping, we got so many awesome, awesome submissions. Um, I just want to throw this out there. Don't don't feel bad if your submission doesn't get read. We got so many. It was hard to kind of pick and choose which ones I, I wanted to put on the list for the guys. I wanted to make sure that they had some balanced items that weren't too strong or or items that I knew they would be interested in buying. So not all the items that submitted made it, and not all of those actually got mentioned to mentioned on the show. But uh, we, we really appreciate all the submissions that were sent in regardless. So um, thank you so much. And, and once again, don't, don't get your feelings hurt if, uh, if they weren't read. We loved them anyway. Just a real quick ad break before we get to the patron names. Um, I was sent the the Adventure Zone Here There Be Gerblins graphic book on the first arc of their story. If you don't want to know what the Adventure Zone is, you should definitely check them out. It's an actual play podcast just like us. Really funny characters. It's done by the McElroys who do a bunch of great shows. So um, go check them out, the Adventure Zone. And some fans and them and some other important people got together and put together a graphic novel and it's going on sale in July and I was sent a copy and I just absolutely love it. I love their story. Um, and it does a great job portraying that first hilarious arc of their podcast. The illustrations are fantastic. The first, second publishing company that put it all together did a wonderful job. Um, it's, it's fairly cheap and it's a great look at their story. And, um, yeah, so go check it out. Please go check it out in July when it comes out and comes on sale. And finally, last but certainly, certainly not least, I want to read off names of the patron members that donate $15 or more monthly to the show. Oh, gosh, how could I forget this? Speaking of this, we are using some of that money right now. We are, um, I've hired an artist to capture a look at each of the main storylines of this quest. So you'll find out and in the next episode where they're going next. Um, and I'm really excited to show the, the piece of artwork that we've got put together. I won't name the artist just yet until we have everything, but just be on the lookout for some really sweet art just to give you a better visual representation of our story. I'm just, I'm so fucking pumped to see this stuff done. Um, but anyway, so thank you patrons. Patrons do a wonderful job of giving us money that helps the show grow, helps us bring you stuff like that to just, you know, increase the immersion of our world and our story. Um, and we really, really appreciate it. So here we go. $15 or more. David Ashley Cole, Andre K, Sir Falkor the Fearless, Jello Crew, Kurt Nolan, Ursula Bertea, James J.C. Aklantz, who wants to give a shout-out to the Hit Dice podcast, Nick Sassy, Mark Albright, Tarkin Davis, Eleanor Fitchett, Sierra Clark, Jim Saunders, Jason Ford, Chris Salberg, GM Binder, Sean Myers, Spencer Robbins, Bobby B.J. Melton, Sarah Blue, Mark Deacon, I'm going to read this name very slow, Mike Hawk, John and John Dalstrom. So thank you guys very much. Thank you everyone, uh, even Mike Hawk, for submitting, uh, for sending us money, sending money our way to help uh, uh, this show grow. So if you want to get a part of this, you want to be a part of this, you really only have to donate one dollar or more a sh- uh, an, a month to support the show. Go on to patreon.com/slash ymiatavern. 
Okay, I'll let you get back to the action. Once again, I'll just remind you, we're going to be doing a little, maybe 15, 20 minutes of shopping stuff. They're going to the fishery and the brewery, and then back into main story stuff that you do not want to miss. So be sure to tune in for the rest of the episode, and we will talk to you guys, or we will see you, or you will listen to us in two weeks. All right, man, that was a horrible mineral. I apologize profusely. But anyway, (laughs) enjoy the rest of the show. See you later. So you guys, um, you have your day. You have your day of rest where you get you level up. You, you know, strengthen your bones a little bit. Get some rest. Or if you have a nice, nice bath. But you wake up the next morning. You guys want to do some shopping? Yes, absolutely. There is many items that I want to bu- to purchase. All right. So brewery first or um, fishery let's, first? Let's do. I let's, let's do fishery first because I have a question about the fishery. Anyways, so you head up to the fishery. And you pass the various little tables and beakers and strange items to Nero's shop. And Hamlet is uh, near the back wall tinkering with Jeeves, the little flying mechanical owl. And Nero says, oh, boys, welcome back. What could I do for you? Hey, um, just give me a moment to read about your wares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and uh, Horcrux here have been really working hard on some <laughs> new items. <laughs> Shout out to Horcrux. Hamlet at this point is just dulled by all this. He is totally ignored. All commentary on his name. It's okay, Heraclitus. We all know so your real like- name. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Heraclitus. <laughs> he hands you like basically a menu with all these new items that we have submitted. We have gotten submitted from our awesome fans on Discord and Reddit and Twitter. Um, I went through. There's no way I could have possibly added all of these. Otherwise, it would take hours and hours for you guys to read. Uh, but I did go and pick some of my favorites that weren't um, completely OP or who would break the game. There were a few, uh, but I added a bunch. And uh, like I said, we're not going to read them all, but we want to thank everyone that submitted items. Um, we will read them as you guys think about buying them or as you purchase them. We'll read the descriptions. Um, but once again, thank you everybody for submitting. We got some really great, great stuff. So you've got all the old things that you haven't bought yet, um, and, and new stuff. So who is interested in what? I think you guys have a bunch of gold from the last arc. Yes. I, do. I have currently. Over 5,000 gold. Over 5,000? 5,000. All right, Carl, um, <laughs> do you want to go first, then? Yes, I am I am ready to go first. All right. I am prepared. Uh, first thing I want to do, um, I want to sell the White Thorn. Oh, my goodness. Oh, no, man. Um, it's very awkward being a paladin and wanting to use a shield uh, to protect myself, but then also having to... Wield a sword with two hands, not allowing me to well, do that. You guys have been through so much, so many slain enemies. Not that many, oddly enough. Um, huh. Not enough to... Uh, I just don't have a connection to it. All right. 
Okay. So, so you, you hand it over to Nero. Yeah. And Nero takes it. He kind of looks at it, flips around, licks the blade, um, and he says, This thing looks pretty used, so I could give you... I could give you 750 gold pieces for it. 750? You're going to sell that for at least, like, 4,500. No, I will not. It's ridiculous. What does it do? It's just a big two-handed sword. You don't want to find out what it does. I'll take 1,200. Roll a charisma check, or a persuasion. Ooh, okay. It's like a six. Okay. Uh, he says, no way, 750 or you're keeping it. Ugh, you drive a hard bargain. I'll take the 750. All right. Sweet. All he, right. he hands you over the gold and takes your sword. Perfect. Now I would like to purchase, um, looks like you have an item called the Thirsty Boy. <laughs> oh, yes, this is new. This is new. And this, um, this was submitted by... <laughs> his name's Ape. It's Ape Tit. It's but his Ape name's, Tit Nine. No, I know. His it's name's Adam a, Pettit. A Pettit Nine, yep. even though it looks like Ape Tit. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I actually I, I asked him that. Poor Ape Tit. It's like, uh, what's that? Sean Connery from yeah. uh, Celebrity Jeopardy. Yeah. I'll check uh, the, the penis might you. <laughs> also, it, hashtag right. Team Carl member. So, yeah, whatever, whatever. Um, what? Sub- submitted by Apetit9. This is 1,200 gold pieces, and it is Thirsty Boy. It's a heavy crossbow, and it does 2d6 damage, but takes on the properties of a liquid that it's dipped in. For example, it could be dipped in blood and get uh, a lifesteal ability, or it could be dipped in acid to add acid damage. If you want, you can press a button on it that releases the current properties of the last liquid it was dipped into, and it lets you get creative with it, constantly looking for new things to dip your thirsty boy into. Oh, yeah. That's pretty sweet. All right, so you're going to buy that for $1,200. Yep. Okay, Absolutely. Cool. Uh, right. The other item I would like to purchase is uh, Sora's Bane. All right, Sora's Bane, submitted by Onilink. This is a longsword. There's a bunch of text here. Essentially, it does 2d8 slashing damage as your main weapon attack. Um, how do we shorten this? Bunch of stuff. It's got two charges of level three divine smite that recharges daily, and it increases the radius of your protection and aura of protection by ten feet. And after initiative and start a battle, you roll a d8, and the number that is the result is the round in which you uncontrollably sob for one turn over your lost love. <laughs> Beautiful. Yep. Uh, okay, so, awesome. So that's 2,800 gold pieces. That's yes. a little bit more expensive. So, the... What does Sora's Bane look like? This doesn't really describe... Actually, what do both of those look like? What's the Thirsty Boy look like? It's um, it's a very, like, elaborate uh, crossbow um, that has, like, a... It has, like, a... A quiver, a quiver on each uh, the ends, in the form of like cups. Nice. And they they it holds my little crossbow bolts, and that's how you know when I dip it into whatever uh, it whatever liquid. That's how the arrows get. Uh, yeah, the okay. liquid. You like keep a cup on it. Yeah, sweet. And what about Sora's Bane longsword? Uh, Sora's Bane is like. Old looking, um, well used, well worn, like the saddest sword you've ever seen. Just looks like <laughs> it's gonna fall apart at any second. 
Uh, very poorly maintained, but yet somehow very magical. Awesome. Somehow extremely powerful. All yeah. right. Okay. Anything else? Uh, one more thing is the question. So I currently have the paladin's tunic. Yes. Can I use the inferno chainmail in addition to mm, the paladin's tunic? No. no. I'm going to okay. say this is like video Fair. game, only one chest Perfect. piece at a time. All right. Then I am done with... Uh, oh, well... <laughs> well, but the Inferno Chainmail, the Inferno Chainmail submitted to us by Hebe GB for 1500 gold pieces. It's plus one magical armor. This chainmail armor is made of steel, but has a deep crimson color. Uh, when you, you may ignite the armor by saying flame on, in which case you burn, burst into flames, and any creature that starts its turn within five feet of you takes 1d10 fire damage. So that was Inferno Chainmail. Pretty sweet. Very sweet. Kind of sad, but I'm going to stick with what I got for now. Okay. Durf? I'm definitely going to buy the Staff of Beasts, um, which the Staff of Beasts is an oak, an old dry oak branch that must have fallen from a tree over a century ago. It looks like it would be perfect tinder, and it seems the previous owner had a similar thought as half the staff is perpetually covered in ash and soot, regardless of the time spent cleaning it. Um, and what it does is a plus one quarter staff. I don't actually know what plus one means in that. So plus one means you add plus one to attack rolls and damage. Oh, cool. Um, and magic focus, uh, like my antlers. Um, bestial communication uh, allows me to communicate and converse with beasts, which doesn't matter because I can already do that passively in my circle of shepherds. But um, wild form, it allows me to once a day break past the CR limit. Um, basically, any druid but a circle of the land druid tops out at CR1 for its wild forms, and this would allow me to, only once a day, um, use a CR2 um, Sick. beast for wild shape, which is quite good because CR2 uh, beasts are much stronger. Sweet. Okay, so that is 2,500 gold pieces, and that was submitted by DNA Changer. DNA Changer, thank you, DNA Changer. And I think I'm going to get the turtle armor. Sick. Uh, so that also gives me basically plus two AC. Well, hold on, it can't be... Oh, yeah, 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 I see, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that gives me the same thing as plus two um ac from what i currently have and once per turn i add plus two f additional plus two to ac from ranged attacks very good okay yep yep i wrote that up too that's 2500 gold pieces so light armor ac is 13 plus dex and you get once per turn you add two to ac if you get hit by a ranged attack tug you ready all right first we are going to start with and i'm sliding through the chart here I'm starting with Spandex Pantaloons, okay. submitted by Bearded T-Rex. Uh, Dex plus one, and uh, it's a, it has a spell charge with it, uh, where it begins sweating profusely as if doing aerobics. Enemies within five feet must make an acrobatic save, DC 15, to not slip and become prone for the player character's turn, granting them advantage. Used one per counter. So I will be getting those. 
uh, which will put my dexterity up to my target of 20. Beautiful. Nice. So the reason I wanted that is because not only does my AC go up by one when that happens, uh, but my attack bonus will go up by one and my uh, damage will go up by one. So a lot of positive things for me uh, with that going on there. So we're going to start with that. Next, Tug will be buying the Tug mug, which is in <laughs> items and tools. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't purchase that one. There we go. Submitted, that was submitted by yep. Rufus T. Doofus. The special mug allows the user to get twice as many uses out of any brew, potion, or beverage simply by pouring the liquid into the mug. The second drink does not have to be used immediately, but can be used as a free action. Can be used once per short rest. The mug can always be used to drink out of any time without a bonus and will make drinks taste just a little bit better. The mug is labeled with the world's greatest gnome. With the gnome, of course, crossed off and handwritten under it is Halfling. <laughs> so uh, that'll be one. the other thing we're getting there. Uh, so that's 2100 and I will be spending a large chunk of change. 1500 gold pieces for... Lightning Fists by Dan McStalkerson. So... Double knuckle rings that slide over the center two fingers of the fighter, in this case a monk, doing 1d8 bludgeoning slash lightning damage. At level 3, they cause chain lightning of the same damage to hit any foe within 5 feet of the initial person struck, or foe struck. At level 9, for each successive strike landed, the arc jumps from foe to foe up to 30 feet in diameter from the origin. At level 13, the arc can be finely tuned to jump to specific targets the fighter chooses within 30 feet, and each arc does 2d8 lightning damage, and when critically charged, it immobilizes the foe for a full time as electricity courses through their muscles. And last but not least, level 16, the knuckles can be charged for a round, and as they are charged, a blue-purple ball of lightning energy is formed at the edge of the knuckles and can be released at a single target with arcs of affecting multi, I think there's more to that than I'm missing, affecting multi-targets within a 30-foot radius for 2d8 lightning damage and the initial target for 4d8. The more rounds charged, the higher the increment in damage by 1d6 per round. So a lot of crazy stuff going yeah, on with right. uh, with those. So for now, so, it's only a level 3, so it does 1d8 bludgeoning lightning damage and you can cause chain lightning of the same damage to hit any foe within five feet of the first foe you hit. Um, I would. I actually. For one last thing before we leave. Um, just because I'm entertained by them, I'm gonna buy Roxy Clean. <laughs> okay. What is this? Submitted by Dan McStalkerson. Uh, these small chalky rocks will clean anything really fast and disappear when law enforcement is near. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> that actually could come in handy. That's only three hundred gold pieces. That's yep. excellent. Yep. All right. All right. So I awesome. buy those. All right. Anything else at the fishery? Synthesizing? Nothing else? No other items? Um, I don't think so. I have googly eyes written down, but I won't. I won't synthesize those. <laughs> synthesize okay. Those just oh, yet. I really wanted you to do that. All right. You go down. You leave. In that the... case, I will synthesize my googly <laughs> eyes. Really? Do you want to? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do okay. it. Okay. Okay. All right. Sweet. Um. So yeah, Nero takes your googly eyes. He puts them in the synthesizer. 
churning, dripping, clinking, hissing, all this stuff, and he pulls out uh, the same googly eyes. They look exactly <laughs> the same. Um, but he hands them to you, and he he puts one on his face, on his forehead, and he puts the other one on top of your eye, and you are able to see through the second googly eye. So you are seeing, if you close one of your eyes and just leave the uh, the open googly eye out, you can actually see what Nero is seeing. Nice. Nice. Yep. So that is your googly eye prize. And we'll call this, um, what do we call this item? I'm spelling out I, obviously, (laughs) E-Y-E. Right. I-C-U-P. And wait, what does it do? It lets you look through the other one. So basically, you could put the second googly eye. It's like sticky. You can put it anywhere you want. And with as long as you have one of them, you can see through the other one. Nice. Nice. All right. So you guys leave the fishery finally, and you head down to the brewery. And we also have some new uh, beers. So what's everybody want to buy? The first thing that Carl is going to buy is uh, I'm going to buy two of Cat Strikes First, submitted by Evendor. Um, Cat Strike First is a glowing purple cider, allows a plus five bonus to initiative twice per short rest. Sweet. Okay. And I'll let you drink that. It doesn't really specify, but I'll let you drink that as soon as you go into combat. So, like, real quick. Sweet. You think you're about, unless it's like a surprise attack, if you think you're going into combat, you can use it right then. Is that it? I'm going to buy um, five Sylvan Imperial Stouts. Okay. And that uh, gain 3d6 health points, but roll with disadvantage on your next attack or skill check. Beautiful. And it does not say who that was submitted by. Uh, I think I wrote that. All right. That'll be it for me. Okay. Tug. Tug is taking a look right now. Um, 110% getting Rickett, Ricketts McGiven's Brewmaster set. Um, which was submitted, which was submitted by Kanar. I think I'm saying that correctly. Uh, four uses. Choose four brews from the brewery under a hundred gold. At any time, I can roll a d4 to create and drink uh, one of the four brews, and then it's removed from the list. And um, I can only get those replenished uh, at the bar. Sweet. So this is kind of like a randomized brew. Correct. So um, that's what I will get. Let me uh, make a list here. So I'm just going to call it Riggett's Brew Set. And then you get to pick your four beers. Yep. So the ones I will select will be... We'll we'll do the Iron Monk Black Black Ale. Iron Monk Black Ale submitted by Dylan696. An ale black is tar that increases unarmed attacks by one hit die. However... You were very drunk, and you take minus two to hit. Parnagast Royal Stock IPA. Submitted by Faith. You get scales down your body, giving you a natural plus two to AC and immunity to poison damage, but you take 1d8 damage when you first drink it, and your hit point maximum is reduced by 2d6 for the next five hours. Uh, Thunderclaw Stout. Thunderclaw Stout submitted by Myth. You get electric claws that sprout from your hands that turn your unarmed combat strikes into slashing damage. And you double your modifier on damage rolls. 
and uh, every time you touch a metal, you flip a coin and accidentally take one damage. And I will do uh, cat strikes first. Okay, so that's the same thing Brian bought. You, uh, yep. yep, plus five to bonus to initiative twice per short rest. Yep. Okay, sweet. So those are your four. That is it. Okay, everybody finished? Shopping? You good? Shopping trip? Okay. Um, so you guys finish up shopping, um, and you get a message from the Archmage who tells you to come back up to his quarters. Durf goes, <sighs> and then he goes. And then he goes, and then he goes. Yeah, Carl, I will, uh, I'm going to head that way immediately. All right. Tug looking worse for wear also follows. Yeah, Tug's a little, little hungover. Um, and you guys head up and you see the Archmage in the same place. He's standing over the pool of remembrance and he says, Professor Kenitzer is ready. Please grab the totems and, and let's head back to his lab. He, he has assured me that Dozer will be fine, that this might, this will be enough to bring him back. Okay. All right. Uh, are we just, are we going to divvy them out or are we just going to have one person carry all of them? It's up to you. Let's divvy them out. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so everybody feels part of the team. Yeah. So, I mean, Durf, you take the coin, right? And then Carl, what the two items did you grab? The gear and the ring, right? Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, yeah. And then Tug's got the amulet. Okay. So you guys head out. You follow the Archmage and Tess actually meets up with you and comes as well. And you climb up. Uh, you head to the Hall of Knowledge and you climb up those stairs to the top and open up Professor Kenitzer's lab. Professor Kenitzer's lab. And he now has four towers that come down from the ceiling, all with these glass boxes. And he's like, oh, oh, guys, guys, oh, welcome back. Okay. Uh, place the totems in the boxes. Um, and you see Dozer over there, and, and he looks the same as before. He's just kind of heavy breathing, these long gray claws, this grotesque skin, this slime that drips down, and the whole interior of this dome is just covered in a gray haze. Uh, Tug walks over to place the amulet, and before he does, he looks at uh, the prof, and he goes, um, <clears throat> if this doesn't work, it's your ass this time. And then he drops the amulet and walks back to where the professor's standing. Yeah, and Kenitzer just swallows hard. You can hear it. It's an audible gulp. Yeah, I will take the gear in the ring and also put them on the table and just kind of walk away. I do that too. Okay, so all four totems are placed in the towers and you seal the glass doors and he throws you a pair of... Um, of sunglasses again, of goggles, of tinted goggles, and he throws some to the Archmage and Tess. Put them on. Carl, you put them on yeah, this I... time? <laughs> no. I'm going to turn my back. I'm turning my back. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. And he walks over to the wall, and he pulls down this lever, and all of a sudden, boof, everything goes quiet, and you just hear the rumble of this machine. And a flash and this electricity shoots down from the towers and enters into the glass boxes that just explode with this light that covers the room and forces you to shut your eyes even behind these goggles. And together the electricity shoots out and connects in a single beam and surrounds this glass orb where Dozer arches his back and you could just see the darkness the gray of his skin start to peel away and break off as these flakes of this gray substance uh just burst from his body and float to the ground 
and this lasts for several moments and the room is shaking and the energy is getting more powerful and more powerful and more powerful before Professor Kenitzer shuts the machine off and with a hiss the orb the glass orb splits and you see on the on the floor a naked and heaving dozer in his former form uh tug tears off the goggles and runs over to him and uh hey, hey, hey dozer dozer you all right bud how you feeling how's how you holding up a lot of crazy shit just happened make sure you keep your dick covered Okay, he he doesn't seem really concerned about his uh, penis, but he (laughs) blinks. Shout out. He he blinks a couple times and like licks his lips and he looks up. He looks up at you and his eyes start to go wide, but he's still extremely weak. And he says, Doug, Doug, am I glad to see you? Oh, what what's going on? Where am I? I'll tell you what, kid, you're at the high tower of. Witchcraft and wizardry. It's irrelevant. <laughs> you just peeled a whole bunch of weird gray sh- shit off your body. I'm not going to lie. Given what you looked like before, you look fucking great now. Um, we need to get you some food. Most importantly, I know a place we can grab a beer. Uh, I need a little hair of the dog anyways. Rough night last night. Know what I'm saying? Elbows him up. And um, <laughs> listen, listen. For, uh, I guess, hey, let's get you something to cover your dong bag. Get that sorted out. All right. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, Kenitzer, give me your T-shirt or like a lab coat or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, 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 sure thing. And he takes off his lab coat and he tosses it to you. Uh, Tug hands uh, Dozer the lab coat uh, and helps uh, Dozer to his feet. Okay. Yeah, he, he gets up, um, but he still kind of wavers on his feet, so he actually has to hold against a bookshelf that's nearby. And he says, I felt, I felt like, like I was living in a nightmare. I felt drugged, Tug. Like... Like a shell of my former self with no control over my body. D- tell me, tell me everything you know. Oh boy, uh, I'm not gonna lie to you, Dozer. I'm not exactly the the deep well of uh, of knowledge that you may <laughs> want to refer to in this particular situation. He, he looks um, over to Carl and and Durf, and he says, "Do you boys what what's going on? Tell me what you know." Take it away, guys. Well. Uh... Man, it's a lot. Uh, Carl? It's a lot. What I said, Derp. <laughs> Carl, what do you got? <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Does someone, someone fucking tell me what's happening? <laughs> Dozer, the world is in chaos. We are hunting down totems. We found four out of seven so far. Luckily, the fourth one was what we needed to be able to restore you. Uh, to some amount of health, uh, and we are on a adventure or quest to retrieve all seven. And who's this guy? And he points to the Archmage. The, he's the guy that who should be telling you everything that's happened. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to lie to you, Dozer. I thought there was only five little trinkets, so that would have been a bad start. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Hey, brace, brace up, kid. Woodhaven fucking gone, son. Uh, it took us a while to come to grips with that, so I'll just lay that on you now. He, he puts a hand on your shoulder, and he's like, Tug, Tug, I, kn- I know, I know, I felt like, I felt like I was living in a nightmare, I felt drugged, like a shell of my former self with no control of my body, but, but my mind, it was aware, I saw everything, like, there were a million voices in my head at all times, 
screaming, wailing, sobbing, despair. My blood was ice cold and thick, and I could feel every pulse like a drum. And that voice, yes, that evil, sinister voice. And Tess perks up at this point, and she says, Felix? No, 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 it's got to be somebody else. Dozer, who was it? He says, no, no. That's, that's not what he called himself, no. But whoever it was, he was the puppet master. He controls the beast that controls us. The the king, he called him. And the archmage speaks up now and he says, The Dread King. And Dozer says, Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, Dread, that's what he said. He said this thing spreads in the earth. That the thing that hangs in the air, it spread and it took over our bodies. He called it that, that's that substance, he called that Dread. And every day it got worse, boys. Every day I felt like I was losing more and more of my old self. So, if you were to judge when you were going to lose your entirety of yourself, how much longer do you think that would have taken? Not long, boys. Our our people are still in there. But there's, there's not that much time left. They're changing. Their shells, they're getting stronger. And devouring more of their former minds. And I saw plans, boys. I saw plans. And he gets quiet, and the whole room gets quiet. And he says, They're about to move. There's a war coming, boys. And it's coming for all of us. And at that moment, the camera rushes out of the arcane tower, through the stone and over the mountains that surround the island, rushing backwards over the sea and forests and plains until it stops still facing the Hagedorn Peaks. A dark cloud spans the horizon, inching its way forward. A silent moment passes as the camera slowly zooms out and expands, and we see a harbor city draped in shadow. And then they come. A flood of creatures bound over the mountain peaks at tremendous speed, covering the landscape like a swarm of ants. A trail of shadow and churning black earth following behind them as they race forward with gaping mouths and sharpened claws and shattered spines and dripping slime and skeletal wings. The uproar of panic from Kingston Landing lasts only a few short minutes before the mass is upon them. Tendrils of smoke from billowing black clouds up ahead lash down like lightning at the people in the streets as black earth topples the walls of warehouses and homes, aging them hundreds of years. The beasts that make it their first charge through the masses of screaming townsfolk, lifting the unlucky up by the neck to give them a tentacled kiss that leaves their eyes black and their mouths open as they fall twitching to the ground. As the last of the free souls are taken, a shrill scream echoes across the sky, and silence falls over the coast. The creatures lift their heads in unison and turn them back towards the west, followed closely behind by the shells that have already begun to change. Followed closely behind by the shells that have already begun to change. Thum thum. Executive producer Dick Wolf. <laughs> Dick Wolf. I want to now give a, give a very special shout out to our $5 or more patrons, between $5 and $15 patrons, Jonathan Zeman, Andrew, Ryan, 
Instagram account, Lace Evangeline. That's L-A-C-E-E-V-A-N-G-E-L-I-N-E. Holly Roxana. Kang Wei Sun. Oh, I hope I did that right. Ryan Corbin. Haley. Torben Schwartz. James Crouch. JJ Holler. Chris Harrison. Jack. Micah. Tucker Barkley. Pat Manads. Olivia Fumiati, Seth M. Harrison, Kevin DeHart, Jacob Torres, Thomas Sanchez, Matthew Watson, Kevin Kozlowski, Jesse Jones, David Barron, Aaron, Eric Hancock, Dan McStockerson, Jason Rittman, Octavia, Joshua Motzinger, Nicole Chapin, Marco Olofsson, Ian Coughling, William Martin and his buddy Huge Ass, Elemental.fm, Alignment Unclear Podcast, that's Joshua Hebert, Jack Mega, Nick Vukalic, Vitaly Vasilyuk, Joe Quickle, and Adam Hoffling. I love reading all these names. You guys rock. Thank you so much for your donations to the show. We've hit a bunch of goals just this past month. So um, keep them coming and much, much appreciated every month. So thank you guys so much. And uh, yeah, end of episode. Bye.